The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. As we continue our series on calling, I want to remind us of a couple uh, foundational callings that are on all of us. Uh, we've been reviewing some basic things that uh, we're all called to, uh, but one of the most important calls comes from the last words of Jesus. Uh, and, and, and you better believe it. If somebody's about to leave and these are the last things they're sharing with you, they're pretty important. In the book of Matthew, chapter 28, we have what's called the Great Commission. And Jesus said these words to the disciples in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. It says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. The Great Commission, it's not the great suggestion, it's one of the greatest commandments. The two greatest commandments, to love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, to love Jesus uh, above all, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And in the loving of neighbors, we will go out into this world as sent by Jesus, Jesus said, as the Father sent me, I send you. And what are we sent to do? We're not just sent to go and pass out backpacks and bags of food, although those are great things that, that Jesus calls us to do. Jesus himself met practical needs. But in the going, we are to be making disciples. Where do we get this from? Well, let's look at that verse a little closer together today. The Bible tells us that uh, in, in Matthew 28, therefore go. Now it's a short two-letter word, but it has a huge meaning. The word go in Greek is actually poryuomehi. Poryuomehi, and, and, and properly translated would be to say in your travels, as you depart. As you go on a journey in your going. So not just when you leave here, go and do this one task, but as you continue to go about living life, make disciples. And this is the calling that I believe we all have to embrace if we're going to fulfill the ultimate calling that God has on us as the church. The church is not some religious institution that has been set up and established to do all the disciple making, but instead, you and I, we are the church. And we are called to go and make disciples. In our going, in the way that you live life, everywhere you often hear me say, everywhere you eat, sleep, study, play, work, shop, those are the places where you are going, traveling to, living life in. And in those places, God has called us to be disciple makers. Discipleship is not just Bible study. Uh, definitely discipleship is based on the foundational biblical principles as taught by Jesus. But it's not just memorizing scripture. It's not just checking a box and gathering together together. Uh, and a thing called the church, 
uh, occasionally. What once used to be uh, box checking weekly has become now box checking, you know, whenever we get around to it. And discipleship is more than just checking a box. It's more than just Bible study. It's truly being a, a learner. The word disciple properly translated as a learner, a pupil, a follower or an adherent. The Bible actually said before people were called Christians, they were called disciples. Christian was actually a derogatory term. Uh, you're like Christ. You're trying to be like him. And now we wear it as a, as a term of honor. But before people were called Christians, they were called disciples. A disciple would be one who would follow in the footsteps of a master, of a rabbi. They would adhere to the teachings of a particular rabbi, learning to live life like they did, wanting to be like them. You can see this throughout scriptures like Elisha did with Elijah, wanting a double portion of God's spirit. Like Ruth to Naomi saying, where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Like, like Paul to his spiritual son, Timothy, taking him on his journeys and pouring into him and, and helping him grow in his faith. Like Jesus and his disciples. Disciples, often we see that Jesus would withdraw just to simply spend time with them diatribo rubbing elbows with one another just living life together and being with one another to this we have been called to be disciples and to be disciple makers to say to someone i want to be under your teaching i want to memorize the things and the truths that you have to say to to be with you to learn to live like you to learn to follow in the footsteps of somebody who's pouring into you at its foundation if you were a disciple of jesus then you would automatically be making disciples discipleship or salvation did not just end with you recently jess put a post on facebook that salvation its goal was not you in the end, but on its way to somebody else. Christ's love has come to pass through you to reach somebody else. We are discipling. So the question I have for you this morning is, is are you doing this? Are you understanding that, that the job of disciple making is not just set up for some professionals some some people have been skilled to teach but are you seeing yourself as a called disciple maker in your new job as you start a new school year in the opportunities that you have are you seeing those opportunities to pour into others to make disciples unfortunately many of the churches in 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 our country uh, discipleship doesn't look like this at all. For them, church is about showing up for a show an hour a week, if you make it that often, being inspired and motivated and entertained a little bit, and then going on about the rest of your life. We miss the call of the church 
the call to be disciple makers. And, and we need to stop seeing the church as the, the organization that is equipped to disciple me and instead see ourselves for who we truly are. We are the church. You are the church. And we together are called to be discipling others. So who are the classmates that God has put in your life that God wants you pouring into? Who are the coworkers that sit across the room that God has given you this season and time to pour into them? Who are the neighbors that live just next door that God has called you to reach out to them, to go out into all nations, all parts of the world and make disciples. So there are a couple misconceptions about disciple making. Um, I already covered the fact that sometimes we think disciple making is is the job of a church or some a few trained professionals, but it's not. It, it, it's the job of you and I. And sometimes the pushback might be, well, well, I'm not ready to disciple anyone. Uh, I I don't I don't have the training. I don't have the skill sets. I can't teach the Bible. I don't know how to lead a prayer meeting. Discipleship is so much more than just Bible study or praying. It's about living life. And so I want to help us reframe our thinking about what discipleship truly is. It isn't just Bible study, although it is built on the biblical foundations that Christ has given us. His law and his word is there to be the foundation upon which discipleship happens. But it's as simple as living life together based on the biblical principles that have been poured into us. The biblical principles that we're learning as we're going about life's ebbs and flows, letting those principles be what guide us and the decisions we're making. And then in turn, as we're rubbing elbows with other people, those same things that we know to do, we pass on to others. And so, for example, you might be a, a Christian couple and, and you're aware of another couple in your life, some friends down the street and their marriage is struggling. God has taken you and your spouse through a couple things. Maybe God's leading you to reach out to that couple that's struggling. That's discipleship. Passing on the principles you've learned to, as the Bible says, to love one another, to, to have mercy, to have understanding, to have forgiveness. And you come alongside that struggling couple and you pour into them. It's not just Bible study. It's helping people deal with their relationship issues, their struggles. Maybe God has given you the skill sets to know how to handle money appropriately. You have good savings. You, you have right margin. You're able to live generously and blessing others. And God's put somebody in your life who is struggling financially. Discipleship is coming alongside them and helping them learn those good principles that you've learned and put in place. You don't have to have your life perfect to be a disciple maker. God would have never called any of us. But if you can take the biblical principle truths that God has poured into you and you can pass them on to others, that's disciple making. What about parenting? Some of you, you might look at yourself and say, well, man, we've had some failures, but you know what? Our kids are doing okay. And you become aware of somebody else in your circle that's struggling. 
as parents. There's some tips that you've learned along the way, some things that have helped that you can pass on to them. This disciple making. Or simply just having the heart's passion to pray for others. I know there are a ton of you in our church who just love to prayer, to pray. And, and, and that's a way of, of making disciples, of, of becoming aware of people's needs and simply approaching them and saying, hey, I understand you're going through this rough time. Do you mind if I pray for you? Do you mind if I pray with you? And following up with them often and encouraging them and continuing to pray. That's disciple making. It's as we go through life, as we come along the people, as our eyes are opened, as the Holy Spirit is moving and working, we join with him in the work he's doing. As we go, we are making disciples. The second misconception that we sometimes get in our minds is we feel like, you know what? I'm good. I don't think I need anyone to disciple me. Sometimes that's often the case. We, we, we think that our walk with God is, is, is a personal relationship, and, and so we want to keep it private. You know, the truth is, is that God desires to have a personal relationship with you, but was never meant to be private. To love God and to love others are the two greatest commandments. And it's kind of hard to love others if you're always to yourself. And so in the loving of others, we're pouring into others and we're allowing others to pour into us. But sometimes pride can get in the way or the mindset of, you know what, I, I run a successful company or, you know, I've, 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 I've read through the Bible in a year. I, I'm good. I, I don't think I need it. And that is a mistake. And I want to beg you to reconsider that every single one of us need to be in a discipleship relationship allowing others to pour into us and allowing God to use us to pour into others. Let me give you an example. You know, I've heard it said that the better you want to be at something or the better, uh, the better you are at something or the better you want to be at something, the more specialized help you need to seek. Let me say that again. The better that you want to be at something or the better that you hope to be, the more specialized help that you need to seek. An example of this is, is sports. You know, think about football, for instance. We're getting ready to head into the football season, and who knows if we'll actually have a season or not. But, but football, literally growing up, you know, the little five-year-olds, they come together, and, and, and you might have 15 kids on a team and, and, and one coach pouring into them, teaching them the principles of the game. You get a little older, and now you're in high school. And when I was in high school, we had a coach and assistant coach. They, they would divide us up and go over different drills and principles. And by the time you get to college, there's the head coach, there's the offensive coach, the defensive coach, the special teams coach, the quarterback coach, uh, and it goes on and on. The more we improve in our life and the better we want to be, we need more specialized help and focus. And the same is true in our walk with Christ. We need to be involved in relationships where others are pouring into us and where we have the opportunity to pour into others. If you want to become a better father, then find somebody who you can follow in the footsteps of their example, who has set the good example of what fatherhood is like, of what being a good dad is like. If you want to be a tremendous Christian leader, then, 
then find a good leader in your life who can teach you good leadership principles and good ways of, of, of running a business in a way that honors God and, and, and puts good practices into place. Find others who can pour into you. Paul did this with Timothy. Uh, and, 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 and we in the same way need to find others that we can pour into. We all need a Paul, someone pouring into us. And we all need a Timothy, somebody that we can pour into. You see, one of the best places that we can do this as a church uh, in our, in our modern, modern approach to, to living out the principles of Christ is in something we call community groups. One of the best places that we can do this as a church is in what we call community groups. Our community groups, for the most part, meet once a week. Right now, mostly through social media like Zoom and the like. But you are getting closer and more open to one another through small circles. You know, for church, for many of us, church is simply sitting in rows, listening to one guy like me do all the teaching. But in small groups, we get in circles. We turn into one another. We listen to one another. We pray for one another. We study God's word together. But we also live life together. We go through life's struggles together. We pray about our hopes and dreams together. We find missions and efforts to get behind to serve together. And then we just get together and have fun, eating good food and drinking good drink and living life together. Are you in a community group? This is a great transitional time of year for you to find a group to join as we enter a new season, as we enter the fall. We'll be launching some new community group studies. And I want to encourage you. Discipleship is something we all need. And discipleship is something that we all will benefit from. Community groups is a great way to find it. We're all called to make disciples. And so I want to give you just quickly two ways that we can uh, today put start putting into practice for discipleship. Of course, not all of you are going to be able to go out tomorrow and get a, a degree in the theology. But you can start doing a couple simple things. Number one, we start making disciples by our example. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, Join with others and following my example, Paul said. Take note of those who are living according to the pattern that we gave you. So again, just finding some people in your life who are following the example of Scripture and patterning, pattern, following in their footsteps as their example, the pattern that they gave you, putting those principles into life. And in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul said it like this, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And so who is in your life that is setting that example? The word follow uh, in, in Greek is mimites. And the word mimic comes from it or, or imitate. Uh, there are people in my life that I look to to imitate. My father, as he came to Christ, he learned to die to himself and he started pouring into friends at work, neighbors. Um, there was oftentimes people were in our, in our house being prayed for by my parents, being served food by my mom. And they, my parents just loved on them. 
and they taught us how to love on others. Who is it in your life that you're following in the footsteps of? My youth pastor was one. He showed me how to go after those who were not yet in the church. When he came, uh, many of us who were in the church were so excited about the church programs that might start. But Pastor Ed showed us that it wasn't about, church wasn't about those who are already in it. It was about reaching those who were not yet a part of it. Jesus said, I've come for the sick, not for the healthy. And my youth pastor, Pastor Ed, taught me that principle. And I wanted to imitate that. And then recently, many of you know Stan Esterline, somebody who's been pouring into my life the past 20 years. As I would go through struggles and hardships, I'd be able to bring them to him. And he would give me sometimes just a listening ear, but always good godly advice, good leadership principles and encouragement. Who is it? that you have in your life, that that you are following their example and that who can look to you and follow your example. Well, many of you who are part of our church are parents. Parents, this is your number one calling in life. Did you hear me? Discipling your children is the number one calling of your life. It's not the job of the church. We're here to partner with you. We're here to do all that we can. And we have a great team. Heather put together an amazing set of resources for us to be able to bring biblical teachings into our homes and our backyards this past week. But the church is simply here to prepare you and equip you so that you can be the disciple makers that God has called you to be for your parents, for your children as parents. You see, if you look at our lives Many of us would see that it almost seems like the greatest calling on our, our lives as parents is to teach our kids how to be the greatest soccer players in the world before the age of six, right? It's to be able to uh, make them ballerinas before the age of eight. It's to help them succeed in Algebra two before they're 12 years old. It seems like in many ways, we think that the greatest calling in our life is to keep our kids so absurdly busy that they never have time to get in trouble. That's not our calling. Our calling is to teach them God's word. And yes, that means we ourselves have to get into God's word. And we as a church wanna help you be the parents that God has called you to be. Your number one role is to make disciples of your children. We're here to partner with you, to pour into you. And if we're not doing it, we're going to sit here and wonder why our children don't look like Jesus. Oftentimes we get calls, Brandy and I, me as a pastor and Brandy as a counselor, and parents are begging us to go after their kids. I don't want to make anyone feel bad, but many times our kids do not look like Jesus because they didn't have an example to follow in us. Are you setting that example in your home? Are you praying with your kids? When, when pressure and trials and struggles come, are you handling them the way that Jesus wants you to handle? Are you setting a, a time of regularly being in God's word? Are your children seeing you follow after Christ? Paul said, follow me as I follow after Christ. You know, if we want our kids imitating us, we've got to give them an example to imitate. Otherwise, they're just going to follow the patterns of this world. 
The book of Romans tells us, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Are you helping transform your children's minds by not just sitting them down and making them read the Bible, but in the way that you live life, in the way you deal with debt, in the way you help a neighbor in need, in the way that you love and put the needs of other families sometimes above your own? Are your children seeing Jesus in you? We need to be the example makers, the disciple makers, by giving them an example to follow. Parents, that's your calling, and you can do this. You can make disciples by your example as you go and see your children become like Christ. The second way that we can be disciple makers is not just by simply living lives as an example, but also with our words. We can disciple make, make disciples with our words. In Deuteronomy 3.28, it says, But commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he will lead this people across and will cause them to inherit the land that you will see. It's kind of difficult to encourage someone without saying something. With your words, you can encourage others and you can speak into them what they should become. Are you speaking into somebody else? Are you speaking into your children? Do you have somebody that you meet with regularly and you're encouraging them and speaking into their life and helping them see who God wants them to be? This is what Paul did for Timothy. Paul spoke into the life of Timothy. Paul said, come on, Timothy, let's go on. As he went on his missionary journeys, Timothy followed. Is there somebody in your life that's speaking into you and somebody you are inviting to live life with alongside of you, that you're speaking into their life. We all need that in our life. I was, I was reading uh, a, a book, I can't remember where it was from, but the story was about a pastor who had a counseling appointment with an individual who felt like he was at his, 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 his last breath. He, he didn't feel like he could go on living. And the pastor, just not knowing exactly what to say, basically said, I want you to give me a hundred reasons that, that you think you should live. And the guy was like, there aren't any. That's, that's the reason I'm here. He said, no, I, 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 I want to force you to try. Just tell me something that's good about yourself, anything. First thing that comes to your mind. So the guy said, well, I guess I'm a good writer. Okay, let's make a list. Pulled out a tablet. Okay, a good writer. What else? Uh, people tell me that I make them laugh. Okay, you're, you're, you can be a funny guy. Um, I don't want to be conceited, but people tell me that I, uh, I look good. Okay, you're a funny guy. And he went on. And, 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 and list after list, he was able to make this thing, uh, a bunch of things, that were, were good about himself. And when they got to 90 things, the pastor stopped and said, now stop. What I want you to do now is I want you to take the last 10 things and I want you to think not about what anybody else thinks or you think about yourself. The last 10 things are for God. What does God think about you? And the guy 
just started crying. God loves me. He forgives me. He sent his son to die on a cross for me. And the words just kept coming. So eventually the, the story went on that these two lost touch. The, the man moved away. But then years later, they were back in town and they came and visited the church and the man went up to the pastor and, and he said, I don't know if you remember me and, and the relationship that we've been called to live. Uh, like I said before, it's not just a personal relationship with Jesus. It, it, it's, it's called to be in relationship with Jesus and with those who are walking with Jesus as well. That's the church. The church is the body of Christ and we need one another to strengthen each other, to encourage each other, to live life together. Are we committed to that? And so I want to take us uh, into just a moment of, of reflection. I want you to think about your life right now. Are you living the kind of life that God wants you to live as a disciple maker? You know, many of us, will, we feel like our life is about getting things right for ourselves. But this life is not just about you. Jesus actually said, if you want to follow me, You've got to learn to deny yourself. When I look at this world, there's not a lot of self-denial. There's a lot of self-absorption. What can I do to make my life better? The question for us as followers of Jesus, and if you truly are a follower of Jesus, then you are a discipler of others. There's no two ways about it. It's this way you are called to follow Christ and to raise up others who will follow him as well. Are you doing that? Are you pouring out of your life and into the lives of others? Jesus came to die for us, that we might live for him and lead others to him. And so my encouragement is that we would see ourselves not just people who believe in a God, but who are living and loving others and leading them to our God as well disciple-making, living in such a way that people can follow our example, using the kind of words that will build others up and help them desire to follow after our King. Will you pray with me? As you, as you pray right now, I want to read a few words to you. Do you feel like you have a good marriage? At least one, maybe not perfect, but maybe good enough to where you could be one that could help encourage others who are going through times of struggle in their own marriage. At your place of work or at your place of school, do you feel like you have a good witness? Meaning, are there people there who, who, who know you're a Christian and you're living in such a way that is in line with that? Is that true of you? Or do you consider yourself to be a prayer warrior, one that likes and enjoys times of solitude and praying for others. Is that you? Think about each of these. If these are true for you, I want you to take note of, of the things that I'm saying. Do you feel like you have a good understanding of the Bible? Again, maybe not a degree in theology or eschatology or all the, any of the other ologies, but you feel like you have at least a basic good understanding of, of the Bible and you can get around in it some? What about... Those of you who are parents, again, none of us are perfect, but do you feel like you've lived a life 
raising some good kids and doing some good things. Yeah, there's been some struggles, but you feel like you've taken some good steps as a parent. What about those of you listening who are good with money and you know some good principles to put in place based on the Bible, not just living above your means, but living below your means of setting aside enough money so that there's margin, time to be able to give back to God and to bless others. Do you know how to do that? Could you possibly share that kind of thing with others? Are there some of you listening right now who have been hurt? Maybe tragically, maybe deeply, but some miraculous way the Holy Spirit has brought healing to your life. Where there once was a wound, you now have been healed. Many times it's from our darkest hour that God will shine his brightest light. If any of the things that I just said are true about you, then I want you, if you were able, I want you to stand up right now. If you feel like your marriage is fairly good, and yeah, you can look across and, is our marriage good enough? I want you to stand up. If you feel like you have a good witness at work or school, I want you to stand up. If you feel like you're a good prayer warrior, I want you to stand up. Come on. I know you're watching a screen and some of you may be driving, so it may be hard to stand. But for those of you who are home right now, if these things are true of you, I want you to stand up. If you feel like you're a good parent, I want you to stand up. If you feel like you have a good understanding of the Bible, stand up. If you feel like you have a good understanding of biblical principles when it comes to finances, stand up. If you feel like you've been hurt before, but you've been forgiven and you could possibly help others to find forgiveness and healing from their wounds and stand up. Now, for each and every single one of you that are standing, you are the church and you have been called to make disciples. It is your job. It is your calling. To this you have been called to go and to make disciples. And you can do it. God has given you everything that you need by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. As you set your eyes on him, you help others turn their eyes to him. As you follow the example of Christ, others can follow your example. You don't have to be perfect. None of us are. Many of us need somebody like a Paul in our life helping us when we struggle. But this is our job, to be disciple makers. Let's pray. You can have a seat. Father God, I pray for each and every person who is listening right now, that we would see ourselves as ones who have been set apart for a purpose, and that purpose is to be disciple makers in this world. There are some people who are older, older men and older women who we need in our lives, and you're needed to pour into younger men and younger women. The book of Titus says, older women, disciple younger women, pour into them. And the same thing for men. There, there are young men who have struggles and issues that they need help with and mentorship in. And I'm so grateful for people like Stan in my life who have poured into me. We need one another. But God, you've called us also not to just be needing others, but to be used to help others to be disciple makers. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help each of us to recognize and admit that we are called by you, set apart for you to be the disciple makers you have called us to be. So help us, Lord Jesus, to embrace this. 
If we call you Savior, then this means that you, Jesus, are our rabbi. You are our master. You are our teacher. And as your disciples, we are to follow in your footsteps and adhere to your teaching. So God, I pray. I pray that you would help us to do just that. To follow in your footsteps. To lay down our lives for the sake of others. We don't live like this world. We live different. We have different values. We have different things that drive us. This world is not our home. This We are called for a purpose to help point others back to you. So Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to do this. For some of you, you're realizing right now that you're not a follower of Jesus. You're not a disciple. Sure, you've believed that there's a God, but you've not laid down your life to follow him. And your first step right now is to admit that you need him, that you need to follow him. And if you're ready to do that, pray with me right now. Pray with me. I admit that I have not been following you, Lord Jesus. Come into my life and forgive me. Forgive me for the sins that I've done and the things that I do, that I, I, I try to live life on my own and instead help me to die to myself and to become alive in you. That I might be an example for others to follow. That I might find somebody to, to allow them to pour into my life. But come into my life and make me new. Show me what it means to follow you. Thank you for dying for me and giving up your life. Now I give you mine. Help me to follow you. I pray for each and every person out there who's praying that prayer right now, that you would understand and accept Christ's love and that this would be the beginning, a new birth in you and that you would then take the steps to grow up in him and to become the disciple that he wants you to be, the disciple maker. Disciples make disciples. And together we have this calling, this mission and purpose in this world. Join me in this. We're here for you. You're not alone. Let's do this together. We'll see you soon.